Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Thursday, October 1st, we are studying Proverbs chapter 20, verses 1 through 30. The wisdom that is given by the Lord is good for kings and citizens. It is good for the young and the old. It's good for men and women. It's good for parents and children. It's good for all. And that means that the wisdom given by the Lord is good for you. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's word today, we have with us Pastor Andrew Jago. Pastor Jago serves at Bethany Lutheran Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Pastor Jago, welcome to Sharp Iron. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. As we get started this morning, Pastor, give us just some basic introductory material to the book of Proverbs, wisdom literature, King Solomon. The question of context is really not the same when it comes to the book of Proverbs because we're in that section where there's a bunch of sayings that aren't always related to each other. So as we think about chapter 20 today, what do we need to know about the book as a whole, the context going in? Well, at the beginning of Proverbs, we, uh, we're connected to Solomon the king, the wise king, who's asked the Lord for wisdom. And we're introduced to wisdom, who calls out to us at the beginning of the book. And then in the middle section, there's just verse after verse of um, little wisdom sayings that are short, easy to memorize, uh, and we're able to take them into our lives and take them uh, as good counsel. If we follow all the wisdom of the book, uh, we're living the good life, as promised in the book of Proverbs. Now, if that seems a little simple or simplistic, uh, Proverbs does just keep to the basics of wisdom, but then there's other books of wisdom literature, Ecclesiastes and Job in particular, that really dialogue with Proverbs uh, and take us out of that simplistic kind of, good, you know, do good and get rewarded and uh, do evil and be punished, uh, and into the more complicated aspects of life. Uh, Job in particular, actually we've, in our adult Bible study, we've been reading through Job and just seeing the rich treasure of wisdom there, and so many verses that I think some people can relate to, especially during the pandemic right now, and the loss of jobs and health and uh, some of the fear and anxiety that's out there, and the question of why is this happening? Uh, now, Proverbs isn't going to answer those kinds of things. Well, Job doesn't really answer them, too. That's a, long, that's a different story, but uh, Proverbs certainly uh, goes into to the basics of wisdom, some of those, some of these things today are going to sound very familiar, uh, connected to things that we know in our culture and English. Maybe they had their roots here in the Book of Proverbs as well. So, what? Out of curiosity, and I don't want to go too far down this rabbit rabbit trail, but you brought it up, and and other guests yeah. have talked about the relationship of wisdom literature as a whole. What what is the dialogue with Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job on the other hand? Well, Ecclesiastes kind of deconstructs all the, the simplistic worldview that's here. Um, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. You know, it's a, it kind of, Proverbs builds up this really logical world where, you know, there's, there's good and there's evil. Uh, and Ecclesiastes says, well, that's kind of all chasing after the wind. And, uh, and there's, but it's still all three books. Well, let me get backtrack a little bit. Job uh, goes a step further to say, hey, there's, there's times where the evil uh, is rewarded and good is punished and it doesn't make any, and life doesn't make any sense. Um, so it has those realistic views of it, um, uh, of life. Uh, that we, and Job's friends represent the, the view from Proverbs, which is very simplistic. Job, you must have done something bad in order for all these bad things to be happening to you. And that wasn't the case at all. Um, so the, it, and it is very literally a dialogue. <laughs> Job, yeah. you know, communicating with his friends and, and all of us absorbing that kind of wisdom. So, yeah, I'd say that you know, God's Word is like that, where one part of the Bible uh, is, is in dialogue with another part. And it, all through the Scriptures, we have a wide range of human experience, uh, a, a wide range of human emotions, a wide range of, of all that is in God's created world. So it's not going to be very simple. Uh, it's going to be complex, diverse, glorious, and all of its beauty, uh, reflecting perhaps our Creator as well. And I think in, in that sense, then, what Proverbs gives us 
is the word that we can hold on to that we know is true and good when our life looks like Job's or when we're sitting there in the book of Ecclesiastes and we're saying it's meaningless. Proverbs, as a part of that dialogue, can help us have something to hold on to so that we know, for example, that, oh, let's see, in our text today, the righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. That's verse seven. Well, there are many times in this life where it doesn't seem like my own integrity benefits me at all, much less my children. That actually my integrity yeah. might, you know, it might lead toward someone taking advantage of me. Proverbs, I think, gives us the ability to hold on to that as good when we're there with Job or in the book of Ecclesiastes and we're experiencing the results of the fallen world, even when we're trying to live that righteous life that, that God has given. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> one, one proverb that comes up a lot when we study the book of Job is no good deed goes unpunished. Yeah. <laughs> so that happens sometimes, but you're right. We, when we grab onto some of the simple truths that are here, uh, we're another verse that we're in dialogue with here, Philippians 4, whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, you know, those are the things that we should cling to, that we should think on, and Proverbs helps us to do that. All right, so let's go ahead and see then what's in this section of Proverbs for us to think on. We're in Proverbs 20. I'm going to go ahead and read about half the text for us on this side of the break. Proverbs 20, beginning at verse 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. The terror of a king is like the growling of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger forfeits his life. It is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. The sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. A king who sits on the throne of judgment winnows all evil with his eyes. Who can say, I have made my heart pure, I am clean from my sin? Unequal weights and unequal measures are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Even a child makes himself known by his acts, by whether his conduct is pure and upright. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. Love does not, sorry, love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will have plenty of bread. Bad, bad, says the buyer, but when he goes away, then he boasts. There is gold and abundance of costly stones, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. Okay, we'll pause there. That was Proverbs 20, verses 1 through 15. So, Pastor Jago, let's just start with that first verse and see how the conversation goes. Wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. So, is Solomon saying no wine at all, or does he have something else in mind? Probably has something else in mind. One is among those pleasures that he lists in Ecclesiastes, that all the things that he tries. Um, and uh, but under the influence, I like that expression. Uh, and here you got someone uh, who is a brawler and a mocker. And if you look at the last verse of the chapter before, uh, condemnation and beating <laughs> go to those mm. individuals who are not wise and and who mock. Um, so yeah, it's a, it, the the Alcohol can influence uh, the brawling and can lead you uh, into temptation and unwise behavior. Um, it's a, yeah, that's, a, that's a pretty straightforward, simple, uncomplicated uh, um, uh, bit of wisdom for us here, right, to, to start off with. In verse 2, then, we meet a subject that we've met previously. We, we talk about the king. You know, we you and I were talking about this before we went on air, that there are, quote, mm -hmm. characters in the book of Proverbs, and one of them is the king and, and what a righteous king looks like. We meet him several times in this text, really. He shows up here in verse 2. The terror of a king is like a growling lion. Whoever provokes him to anger forfeits his life. What, what is this saying about the king and the relationship of his subjects to him? Well, there's obviously control, and uh, uh, and one should not uh, use the king's time foolishly, is what I'd uh, mm. uh, glean from here. Now, with a lot of these wisdom sayings, too, you've got 
saints, it may not be readily apparent. I think it's okay, uh, even for us pastors, to come at this and to have questions. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what that means. And then you chew on it a little bit. Um, I, I like in our prayers that uh, we say when, uh, sometimes, uh, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest. Um, so just kind of chewing on the, on the saying, you know, the wisdom, you probably, not, probably aren't, He's saying sometimes, you know, it's easy to just gloss over them, especially when you get a bunch of them together like this. Once in a while, it's good to put on the brakes and to, to just chew on it and ponder it a little bit. Um, whoever provokes him to anger forfeits his life. This is, there's, there's some connection here to verse 8 and to other uh, verses with the king in this chapter as well. Yeah, I mean, verse verse 8, just to go there, a king who sits on the throne yeah. of judgment winnows all evil with his eyes certainly fits here. So, I mean, if you are one of the ones who is evil, what's the righteous king going to do to that? He's going to winnow that. We can talk about that picture as well, which fits very much with this terror of the king. In other words, you, you don't want to get on the king's bad side, which, again, this is pretty straightforward wisdom, I think. Indeed. Um, I like the... the growling of a lion, God in nature, puts certain warning signs, uh, especially around certain animals, the rattle of a rattlesnake, uh, the growling of a lion, you know, just basic uh, warning signs that say, don't touch me, <laughs> stay away, uh, you're, you've crossed the line, uh, and uh, just back away slowly. And uh, that's a, so here in this wisdom proverb, we get a little nature connection here as well. Right. The, the other, anytime that I see king show up in the proverbs there and especially one like this the terror of the king is like the growling lion the idea of not wanting to be on the king's bad side i i can't help but start to think about psalm chapter two the the second psalm which talks about the king and the lord's anointed i'm gonna see if i can flip to it here real quick so oh psalm two verse 10 mm-hmm. where, where it's talking two kings actually now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. When, when I, anytime I see king, the king in the book of Proverbs, I, I can't help but start to think, is this, is this only talking about earthly kings and, and the way that I ought to relate to my rulers and the way they ought to relate to me? Or is this also giving me a picture of who Jesus is as king, as the one who sits at the right hand of the throne of God, ruling over everything. And I, I mean, I, I think, I think these verses fit with both. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think? Yeah. Well, again, that's, that's chewing on it. You know, there's oftentimes what I think is really neat about wisdom literature, which is different from a straightforward narrative or a word sometimes from the prophet uh, is that, you know, it can have those different layers of meaning. And sometimes it's both right, you know, the, the, all the meanings that you think of are correct. It's just a little different way of looking at it, like looking at a diamond and turning the, the gemstone and, and seeing it from a different perspective. And when we add Jesus to the equation to each of these Proverbs, I think in this chapter there's plenty of echoes that certainly remind us of Jesus, that make those kinds of gospel connections. Right, and I, I mean I, that's very well said. I think this matter of the king is is one of them. That the idea of well, you don't want to be on Jesus' bad side. That's maybe a very mild way of putting it, but but you don't want to fall on on that side of his judgment, the side that is opposed to him, opposed to faith, because mm-hmm. I mean, verse two, that's to forfeit your life. That's to be winnowed. Which I mean, what's what's the picture with winnowing? That shows up a couple times in this well, chapter. Yes, and uh, we are right next to Mount Vernon here in Alexandria, where George Washington uh, lived, and they have a part of his working farm, and you can see winnowing, uh, <laughs> where the, um, the, the wheat is uh, winnowed with a fork, and then it's trodden on by the, uh, the horses so that the grain falls down and the, the chaff uh, you can sweep up later. So it's, a, it's getting rid of the bad stuff and uh, uh, separating out the good stuff that can be consumed. And the Jesus connection here, I think, is you think of the separation of the sheep and the goats. Uh, you know, when the king comes and judges, uh, that they're, 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 will you be found to be among the wise? And those of us who uh, are covered with the blood of Christ, of course, you know, we have that uh, 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 internal righteousness going for us. And John the Baptizer makes use of this same image as well. He, he says the, the oh, yeah. winnowing fork is in his, that is in the, the Christ's hand. 
and and as, as you said, I mean, how do you how do you escape that? Well, that is through him, through the judge, the one who comes and lets the judgment be poured upon him first. You know, I mean, think about think about Jesus and the way that he lets all the sin and evil of the world fall upon him. And and he lets then the father's judgment fall upon him, who then the father vindicates Jesus on the third day because Jesus, in fact, was innocent. And all that in is given to you and to me for our salvation. Right. In verse six, there's another Jesus connection, I think. Many a man proclaims his own chesed, his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. Well, we know where to find one. Mm. <laughs> and it's our Lord's faithfulness that uh, uh, makes us of the faith as well. Mm. Right. I mean, with, with that, so verse, verse six, that, that many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find, just in terms of what this might say to earthly friendship, that mm-hmm. anybody can tell you that they're going to be loyal to you, but it's only in that heat of the moment when the deed is actually done, whether or not you'll find out whether that person is faithful, which to connect that to Jesus, and, and you've done that very well. I'm, I'm reminded of what he says, that you will know them by their fruits when he's talking about false prophets, uh, that, that you know they'll right. say what they say, but what's the fruit that comes of it? And and so with well with Jesus then use those words as a standard to him. What is the the fruit that comes of it? Uh, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, which which doesn't only that doesn't mean this is how much God loved the world, but this is the way that God loved the world. He he shows his love for us in that he gives his son to die for us. And there is as you said the truly faithful friend for us. It it is Jesus Christ. Yes, what a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> That's right. The, uh, the, the friends in Proverbs, too, I mean, it, it, relating this to the rest of the book, there's fair-weather friends mm-hmm. uh, described in, in other chapters of Proverbs. And this is talking about the, the chesed, the, the consistency, the constancy, uh, love that does not quit. And, of course, how can, you, how can we not think of Jesus when we, when we think of a love that comes down to earth defeats death, you know, it pursues us, it grabs us, you know, brings us into the kingdom. Uh, that's, that's constant uh, love that is, and, and it has that eternal quality. Uh, but then we want to, uh, what this is, what this verse is, is, is showing us is, is friendship. Uh, and, and it's saying that it's rare, you know, uh, there's, it's pretty common to find someone who will proclaim that they have steadfast love, but a faithful one, a faithful one who can find. And then, you know, we're back to that question mark, and it's okay to keep that question mark in our heads and, and think about that a little bit. So with with that question mark there in verse 6, there's another question mark in verse 9. Who mm-hmm. can say, I have made my heart pure, I am clean from my sin? Well, I mean, if we <laughs> stick with what we're saying in verse 6, Jesus can say that. Yes, yes. And um, it's it's in the Old Testament— I think, uh, as I said, we, we, we did a, a um, series on Job recently in our church, so I had that kind of fresh in my mind, that Job and, both Job and his friends were making points that no one is completely uh, pure and without sin. Um, God makes a comment at the beginning of the book where, hey, have you seen my servant Job? He's this great guy, and he's, you know, he has righteousness and so on and so forth. doesn't say he's without sin. Uh, and Job's friends, you know, want to use that to say, okay, so you're, if you're without sin, you must have done something that merited all this misfortune that, that has happened to you. Um, and that simply wasn't the case. But uh, David also in the Psalms, you know, said, I was sinful from my mother's birth. Uh, so we have that testimony pretty consistent, you know, all through the Old and the New Testament. I have made my part pure could also be uh, a sacrifice uh, for sin as well. Uh, in the case of the Old Testament, you know, the uh, animal offered as a as a sin offering, and uh, and that sacrifice being made uh, to to offer instead of the the bad thing of being punished for my sin, uh, the animal is there punished. And of course, again, there's there's all kinds of Jesus connections there to his sacrifice as well. One sacrifice for all. Well, and in that way, then. Who can say this? Who could say, I have made my heart pure, I am clean from my sin? I, I think our natural reaction to that right off the bat is to say, well, I know I can't because I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. And and yet, when we know that Jesus can say that, and then we, we do make that connection with the sacrifice that he has made for us, 
that that it is, in fact, the one who has faith in Christ and what he has done that can say this, not because of their own merit. I can't say that because of me, but I can say that my heart is pure because Christ has made it pure. I can say I am clean from my sin because Christ has done that. I, I, was, I can't remember who it was. A previous guest brought up what King David does at the end of Psalm 139, where he actually asks God to search his heart, to try his ways. And how can he do that? Well, because he knows he's been forgiven ultimately in Christ. Well, indeed. And David asks God, created me a yeah. clean heart. Um, that's something that we sing sometimes in our liturgy as well. Mm. Right, right. So let's see. Oh man, there's so much here. Let's yeah. let's go to and and we're just like this always happens. We're going to run out of time today to talk about every single verse. One yep. one. Let's see. Let's go to. Let's talk about the sluggard. Verse four. Okay. The the sluggard like is a, a recurring. I know, right? <laughs> he's a recurring <laughs> character in the book of Proverbs. I, he's there in verse four by name, and I think he mm-hmm. also shows up. Oh, where did it go? Is he? He's later in this. Isn't there another verse about laziness in this text? There it is, 13. There is, yeah. Yeah, love not mm-hmm. sleep, lest you come to poverty. Yeah. Tell, tell us a little about the, the sluggard and his folly. Yeah, and I, I'm a little sad about that verse, actually. I remember when my kids were young <laughs> that I would love to take a little nap when they when That's they right. went down. So That's right. yeah. <laughs> Dad gets a little break. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the, 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 the sluggard... Uh, so this isn't necessarily a commandment. Uh, it's, it's more along Christian tradition, like um, the seven deadly sins. Mm. This would be like the sin of sloth or acedia, you know, the, 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 if you want to go uh, as someone who is very listless and uh, just doesn't, doesn't get, an, get any energy, put any energy into any of uh, the, the tasks in life uh, that God gives. Uh, in this case, the practical and prudent uh, farmer uh, who will plow, and then uh, does what does the slugger do? He doesn't do the work, and then he looks for the fruits of his, the labor that he didn't do. <laughs> so there's an element of foolishness there too. But he's he's a character that that comes up in the book of Proverbs to contrast with uh, the wise who will work or will have uh, energy, will have even enjoyment uh, in the work that that God gives for each of us to do. Right. Yeah. The, the sluggard doesn't work. He expects something and he doesn't get it. He, he does show up very often in the, in the book of Proverbs. And, and like you said, it doesn't, there's not maybe a particular command. Although I, I do think this relates to the seventh commandment about not, not stealing that, that, that right. would employ, that would move us away from laziness and toward mm-hmm. that gift of work that our Lord has, has given to us. I mean, I think, Oh man, I, I actually just I preached about this not too long ago. In the three-year lectionary, we had the text Matthew twenty, where you get the workers in the vineyard, and and yes. we, we we live in a culture that I think always kind of has an eye on the weekend and and even farther down the road, always on retirement. And not to say that it's you know obviously the Lord gives us rest physically, mm. but I think we need to hold on to as Christians the goodness of work that that it's mm. God intends work as. A gift. He intends it as a joy, and and we need to hold on to that, lest we fall into the folly of the sluggard here in Proverbs. Indeed, and that's the way that God provides us our daily. Our God is a God of means, and one of the means that He chooses to bless us, you know, with uh, what we need to sustain this body and life is certainly uh, the work uh, that uh, is in front of us to do. Hmm. Uh, we're coming and up. Some on of a, us are lucky oh, enough to do this kind of work. Which that's is, right. Uh, Enjoy <laughs> God and His Word. That's right. Yes. What a, what a joy that that work is for sure. For Indeed. sure. We're coming up on the on the break here, Pastor Jago, and and I think to to close out this side, let's take a look at back at verse three because you in, in your notes you sent me ahead of time. You said this is something we need to hear today. It is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool be quarreling. What what is that saying? And and why is that something we particularly need to hear right now? Well, again, that's, you know, it's one of those things to ponder, to think about, to chew. And as you're doing that, sometimes Scripture can interpret Scripture. There's two examples in the book of Judges of uh, a, tri- a tribe of people who get put out because they were not called into action uh, by the judge, and Gideon deals, uh, he, he compliments them. You know, he finds a way to, to diffuse the high temperatures that were, the, the argument that was there. 
uh, and the other person just, you know, uh, goes to war, and uh, uh, he, he lets his, his temper get the better of him. And doesn't it seem today like the people have shorter and shorter fuses almost? Um, I mean, I, I see that a bit on social media, where it doesn't take much to start an argument, to, to be quarrelsome, and, uh, you know, the, and, and, and people not uh, perhaps going the other way, uh, taking to heart uh, Jesus saying, blessed are the peacemakers. Um, we are in the right now the what I like to call the political silly season. You know, right before an election, uh, there's there's a high amount of phone calls and uh, social media posts and and uh, people talking politics and so forth. Uh, and uh, in in this, it just seems to me that, that uh, I, I go back to we just had nine uh, eleven as an observance just to connect to this. Uh, we always want to remember nine twelve. You know, when people were were, were uh, opening their homes, when Americans were coming together, and uh, and there was just just this general solidarity that was felt around the country. Um, and uh, but then it doesn't take long for us to start fighting with each other. Then afterward, uh, but we have to hang on to those those moments, I think, and, and remember them, uh, and remember the wisdom that comes from our Lord who reconciled us. Who do you know the conflict? the divine conflict between our sin and that separates us from God, you know, was resolved with the love uh, and, and the peace that passes all understanding that we receive uh, from our Savior. So all of that is here, I think, in this verse. Uh, and, and again, and I, and I only got started there. I mean, this could be a whole uh, series of sermons just on this one verse, I think. No doubt we could spend all day on that one verse, but we're going to keep moving on. You're listening to Sharper Iron here on KFUO. I'm going to take a short break, but we'll be right back. Please stick around. Since 1978, Lutheran Church Extension Fund has had the humble privilege of supporting Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Ministries and her workers. Thanks to faithful investors, LCEF has provided thousands of church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations with the low-cost loans and resources they need to reach more people with the saving name of Christ. To learn more, visit lcef.org or call 800-843-5233. 800-843-5233. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Thursday, October 1st. We're studying Proverbs chapter 20, verses 1 through 30. We've got Pastor Pastor. Andrew Jago with us. He serves at Bethany Lutheran Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Remember, if we miss the proverb that you really wanted to hear more about, give us a call at 314-996-1542. That's the listener comment line. You can leave a message there, or you can send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org and let us know which proverb you want to hear more about. We'll be releasing some short bonus podcast material on individual Proverbs as those requests come in. Pastor Jago, we left off in verse 16. I'm going to read the rest of the text for us, and we'll continue to look at Proverbs 20 this morning. All right. Take a man's garment when he has put up security for a stranger, and hold it in pledge when he puts up security for foreigners. Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be full of gravel. Plans are established by counsel. By wise guidance, wage war. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. If one curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. An inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord, and he will deliver you. Unequal weights are an abomination to the Lord and false scales are not good. A man's steps are from the Lord. How then can man understand his way? It is a snare to say rashly, it is holy, and to reflect only after making vows. A wise king winnows the wicked and drives the wheel over them. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all his innermost parts. Steadfast love and faithfulness preserve the king, and by steadfast love his throne is upheld. The glory of young men is their strength, but the splendor of old men is their gray hair. Blows that wound cleanse away evil. Strokes make clean the innermost parts. That's the rest of the text for today, Proverbs 20. That was verses 16 through 30. So we'll start our conversation there in verse 16, 
Talks about taking a man's garment when he's put up security for a stranger, hold it in pledge when he puts up security for foreigners. Pastor Jago, this this reminds me of previous verses we've seen in Proverbs that have to do with being careful in, I guess the modern comparison would be co-signing for a loan. What's the wisdom for us here? Yes, uh, let your kid buy his own car, I guess. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> no it's a, it, it, this, is, you know, this is one that is geared toward that time, uh, you know, the, with the particular wording. But yeah, there's, there's some wisdom as to, it's basically how to be prudent with your, uh, the blessings that God has given to you. Um, and I don't know if we need to, to push it any further than that. I, it's, it is one of those ones that I had a question mark by, <laughs> because it's you know it, it bears some further study and uh, and, and probing to, to get the the exact meaning. But I think the gist of it is uh, you know just to be prudent and, and not, uh, not 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 um, put money down with with somebody you don't know, the stranger. Agreed, and I think you know I, I've I've wondered or uh, with guests in the past if if perhaps it has to do with you you would do that in thinking you're going to get more that there may be greed lying behind it oh. somewhere perhaps uh, again as yeah. you said it's one of those things to chew on but the prudence with what the Lord has given you uh, the matter of not taking unnecessary risks it certainly is mm-hmm. not urging against generosity. We, we want to make sure we say that. Oh, yeah. That yeah. generosity is very much a part of wisdom as we see it elsewhere in the book of Proverbs, but taking mm-hmm. care when it comes to risks associated with people you don't know, I, I think is is in the ballpark for sure. Yeah. 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 So let, let's just keep going. Verse 17, bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be full of gravel. What's going yeah. on with this one? This is a pretty stark uh, image. Another, you get what you deserve uh, um, when you when you try to uh, swindle your way uh, I, I, to your daily bread. When you try to get it by dishonest means, um, then in the end, uh, then your mouth will be full of gravel. I love the, I love the contrast there between the taste of the bread, mm. and one could just imagine you know the. Those, those teeth biting down on the gravel. You know, it's basically the, the foolish behavior that's in Proverbs usually has a consequence where you're your own worst enemy. Right. I mean, that's that's definitely there in the book of Proverbs, that idea that, that you get, well, you, you reap what you sow, to use another uh, yeah. proverb, right? Th- yeah. This one, I mean, brings a couple of thoughts to, to my mind. The matter of this bread gained by deceit being sweet Sounds an awful lot like what Lady Folly was calling out to the simple back at the end of chapter nine. Lady oh, Folly, yeah. Lady Folly said, "Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant." So, I, I, it sounds like there's a bit of an echo there. And I'm also yeah, so go ahead. I was going to say, so stay away from it. That's junk food. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then on the matter of you know, you brought up daily bread. Which is, mm-hmm. is connected, I think, to, you know, when Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, when he's talking more about prayer, he, and I think he does this around the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11 as well, you know, he, he asks that question, and I can't remember exactly which one, but I think it was stone and bread, right? If, if your mm-hmm. son asks you for a piece of bread, are you going to give him, uh, I can't remember if it, what it, but it, one of the examples is a stone, which, I mean, so yeah. the... The positive side then of this is that when we trust our heavenly Father to give us what is good, then we can simply receive the daily bread from Him as that good gift, rather than relying on some sort of deceit on our part, which ends up actually not getting the good thing we thought we were going to get in the first place. Indeed. Yes. No argument there. <laughs> Verse 19 has a... Um, Interesting, uh, some interesting connections, and again, it's just one that you have to ponder. You know, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. Let me see, I've got a different um, translation here in front of me, which I think uh, gets to it as well. Whoever goes around as a gossip tells secrets. Do not associate, and this, uh, this part of it I love too, do not associate with a person whose mouth is always open. Mm. <laughs> it's 
an interesting way to look at that one. Hmm. Uh, you know, this this matter of what is coming out of your mouth or what is coming out of the mouth of someone else is a very big theme in the book of Proverbs that mm-hmm. we ought to take care. And I, I think it, it, it cuts two ways. So that not only would we take care of who are we listening to, are we listening to the slanderer? And that's where this verse, I think, goes. You know, don't associate with that one whose mouth is always open. But also then a matter of reflection, how do my lips act? What is what is my mouth busy doing? Am I the one slandering or whose mouth is always open and babbling? You know, you get the sense from a lot of the Proverbs that um, it's better just to keep your mouth shut most of the time. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, oh, agreed, agreed. I, you know, I'm reminded of the way James takes this in, in his book. Uh-huh. You know, James has a very oh, yeah, similar be, feel to the book of Proverbs. Quick to listen, yes. Yeah, quick right. to listen, to speak. And, and yeah, then slow that, to that, become that. angry, which I think follows right. from that as well. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, isn't there, this is maybe wisdom from, from your mom when you were growing up, but there's a reason that God gave you two ears and one mouth, I, I think. I, I mean, <laughs> That's another, there's some more homespun wisdom there. But also, I think there's the contrast in this verse between idle talk, you know, useless mm-hmm. talk, just, just using words. Whereas with God, I mean, just to think all throughout the scriptures, how God uses is very purposeful, you know, from the very beginning, let there be light, and and words speak creation into being. Um, you know, and, and, and all through the, the scriptures, too, it, there's, there's, there's purposeful uh, uh, use of, of building up, of, of speaking life, of building friendships. Um, God wants us to uh, use his name to pray, praise, and to give thanks. Uh, that that's all kinds of, of building up. You know, Paul says to build each other up uh, in, in the church. So uh, words can also be very destructive um, and, and idle, too. I think of the second commandment. We're not supposed to use God's name uselessly, right. you know, just to, just, to, just to let it fall onto the ground to, to use a, a scriptural image. Um, but it's to be purposeful and, and have meaning and significance. Right. And I mean, I think, so there's two commandments in, in play here. You, the second commandment, when it comes to our speech concerning God, and then the eighth mm-hmm. commandment, when it comes to our speech concerning our neighbor. And and mm-hmm. certainly, Proverbs warns us against the misuse of that kind of speech, the useless speaking of God's name, the slander, the destructive speech toward my neighbor's reputation for, for each of the second and eighth commandments. But what's always important for us when it comes to the commandments is to keep in mind that positive thing that God does want us to do. He does want us to speak his name so that we would pray to him and pray, praise and give thanks. And he does want us to use our speech to defend our neighbor's reputation. And that, too, has been a theme in the book of Proverbs that, I mean, I'm looking back in just chapter 15 briefly was the first place that came to mind. You get several places. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. Uh, The lips of the wise spread knowledge. So that there is most certainly a place for those who have been instructed by the Lord and his wisdom to open their mouths, both to speak that divine wisdom from the word to others, and also then in defense of the neighbor's reputation. And I think it, it it is the wisdom in this book that precisely gives the knowledge as to which situation you're finding yourself in. Yes, one wise, good, uh, righteous use of words, and one unwise, destructive, uh, tearing down use of words. Mm. So concerning the tearing down, destructive use of words, verse 20 speaks to that, and and very very vividly, (laughs) if one curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. This... This one ought to make, I think, all of us <laughs> shake a little yeah. bit <laughs> because the, the I mean, I don't know about you, Pastor Jago, but when it comes to teaching the commandments to youth confirmation students, uh, the, the one that I always go to when, when I want to remind them that the commandments show them their sin is the fourth commandment <laughs> because oh, yeah. that, that seems to be one that we very quickly relate to. Yeah, I, I remember when I said that to my mom or when I did that to my dad. So this is pretty uh, pretty harsh language here in verse 20. 
It is. Well, it's it's harsh language to begin with when it's with with the action of cursing. Mm. Um, you know, so so to hold I, I, another. Uh, just looking at a few commentators there, to uh, the very similar use of the word in Hebrew and in other parts of the Bible, to hold in contempt. So perhaps going uh, above and beyond, just not just taking out the trash. You know, it's 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 getting to a level of seriousness where uh, you're 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 holding your parents in contempt. So be the opposite of the promise in the fourth commandment that it, it will be well with you. You know, and you will live long in the land your Lord gives to you. Um, so if you, you hold your father and mother in contempt, you have no respect, um, and, uh, and do not listen, then, then, ooh, utter darkness. I mean, that, that sounds very, sounds very hellish to me. No, I, I think you're right. And I'm, I'm reminded here, uh, with that sort of language of, of how Jesus expounds upon the commandments in the Sermon on the Mount, when he says, you've mm-hmm. heard that it was said, you shall not murder but I say to you, you know, whoever has hated his brother in his heart has already murdered him. How he he really opens up the seriousness of the commandments there. And and I think for us today, this one concerning the fourth commandment is pretty necessary. When you think about what are those you know, hot topic or hot button sins in our society, they tend to deal with the fifth commandment matters of life, the sixth commandment matters of marriage. But we shouldn't forget that the fourth commandment is also given by God, and he counts it very seriously as well, that that to dishonor father and mother is a very serious sin, not one that we should take lightly. Indeed. Uh, that's The home is you know where we share God's love, we learn about forgiveness, uh, where all these, where Solomon is, is passing on wisdom to his uh, children, you know, it's, it's, it's the... Um, the unit, you know, where it's what God chooses to work through means, you know, to help uh, society, to help build us up and to cement us together. The society as church and um, and the family is, is something that's very important. Mm, right. And so what, what happens at home that makes a big difference as to what happens elsewhere as we interact with other neighbors, so that how we treat father and mother is... Mm-hmm. That that's where it starts is how we treat our own family, and then going out from there, uh, what we learn and put into practice there. If when that is wisdom, then it's much more likely that we'll put into practice wisdom as we go outside the home. So with with that thought, then let's let's go to verse twenty three because that brings up a theme that we we kind of skipped over from the previous section. Unequal weights are an abomination to the Lord, and false scales are not good. This, I mean, here's business outside the home now. We saw some of this in the previous section, both, and I think it's it's there both on the buyer's end and the seller's end. Mm-hmm. The image here, I think, seems more dishonesty when it comes to the matter of selling, but but either way, dishonest in, dishonesty in economic practices is something that the Lord actually cares about. Oh yeah, and, the, and this verse is actually repeated a lot in the book of Proverbs. And you look at you know how the Lord holds His people accountable in the time of the prophets. You know what what is it that's going to bring about the destruction? Not just idolatry, uh, the worship of other gods, but I, I, I think in particular the book of Amos. You know, you sell the poor and needy for a pair of sandals, um, so that the you know the poor not getting justice in the courts and being cheated and swindled. Um, you know, God does care about those things. Um, truthfulness and honesty in general, what I'd like to say is that how, if we're not truthful and, and honest in the things that we do, or, or at least, you know, ask for forgiveness when we fail, uh, then how can people believe us when we go and we want to talk about the way, the truth, the life? Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a much harder to be a witness then. Yeah, the the matter and and that connection that you made there does bring up from the book of Proverbs where it all starts, which is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is beginning of knowledge in Proverbs. That that everything that we're talking about here, that you know, from business practices to the way that we live within our family to what we say with our lips, for us as Christians, it all does come back to that matter of the fear of the Lord. 
and and that is, I mean, that's certainly true in those indictments that the prophets speak. Amos is the one that I always think of too when it comes to the way that we would treat the poor and the oppressed. That that Amos speaks a lot about that, but he very much connects those matters. That the way that we act toward others is connected to what do we believe about the Lord? Do we fear, love, and trust in Him above all things? And where where mm-hmm. that's messed up, then then these things are going to be messed up as as well, that the, the matter of unequal weights is a symptom of our idolatry. And Solomon mm-hmm. in the book of Proverbs calls us back to both. He calls us back to the fear of the Lord, and then also to, you know, don't mess with unequal weights. Be honest at your business dealings. Yes, yes. Honesty is the best policy. Right. <laughs> Pull yet another uh, wisdom saying in there. That's right, that's right. So verse verse 24 seems to be another one of those verses that we, we ought to chew on a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yes. A man's steps are from the Lord. How then can man understand his way? What that that's a hard one, at least as it's translated there. What what's it saying mm-hmm. to us? Well I had a I had a question there actually. I was wondering my my first thought was was how can a man understand a man's way mm. or how can a man understand God's way? Mm. And I'm not sure that the language is all that, all that clear there. I looked at a different translation here. Uh, God's word to the nations is, 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 you know, this, I pulled this off of my shelf. I've got it pretty marked up here in the book of Proverbs because it's it, it got some interesting ways to rephrase some of these. Uh, the Lord is the one who directs a man's steps. How then can a man, well, yeah, so this makes it, uh, how can a man understand his own way, so a man's way? Um, so, yeah, that's, and like you said, it's one, I'm not sure that I have an answer there, but it's one that, that, uh, it, 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 that requires some pondering, that requires some chewing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, it's a, the first line is from Psalm 37, um, and uh, so there is a, a connection that's there. Uh, you know, we're, the, so your man is, 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 is thinking, okay, how can, I, I'll, I'll make this connection again to, to Ecclesiastes, you know, Scripture interpreting Scripture here. Uh, and much of Ecclesiastes is spent on trying to understand life, trying to, you know, you know going to extremes to uh, experience all these different things in life. And, and what am I going to do? I'm going to work really hard and leave it for my son, and, and uh, who knows if he'll be a fool. Hmm. Actually, that was, that's what happened with Solomon. But, yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot to ponder here, a lot to think about. What are some of your thoughts as you well, look at that? Well, you know, I mean, as, as you were talking and as reflecting on the rest of the conversation we've had this morning, this is another one of those questions. So how, yeah. how then can a man understand, and, and assuming, you know, let's say, his own way, well, I, I mean, oh, it, Melissa, what if we connect it to, like, say, verse 9? Who can say, I have made my heart pure, I am clean from my sin? When my steps go away from the Lord, say, it, the, the opposite of verse 24, how do I understand that? Well, I, I understand it through his word, that I have made the error, that it's not that it's, it's not the Lord's fault, but it is my own sin. And then maybe on, on the more positive side, how, how can a man understand his way? It is only in the way Jesus Christ. That that's at least some of my initial yeah. ponderings on the matter. It, there's another connection to be made with the, the word steps too. God is guiding your feet. I, I like when you said the way because that I, when when Christians were uh, in the Book of Acts were not known as Christians initially. They were known as followers of the way, you know. And the, and our you know it begins with the disciples following. Jesus of walking on the way, then Paul and and Barnabas and Silas on the on the Roman roads, walking walking those roads. There's there's something to that image in Scripture, I think, where where it's 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 dynamic. It's uh, there's this kinetic energy where it's moving from one place to another, and I think this proverb is telling us the Lord guides those steps. That's the first thing to to really uh, the first truth to really grasp onto. And then, but then, how can you understand his way? I don't. I think that's a question on purpose because we're meant to keep thinking about that, to make an attempt at it at least, to to try and understand, but to understand 
knowing that God is the one guiding those steps, or should be guiding those steps that, that we are taking. Right, yeah, to, to understand it in light of what God yeah. is doing for us, and particularly what he has done for us in his Son, Jesus Christ, who is mm-hmm. who is the way. Uh, speaking of that, we're running about five minutes here, Pastor Jago, so I'm, I want to— uh, well, there's there's two things that, that I really want to get briefly. Verse twenty eight, because I think that's just another one of those wonderful connections of the book of Proverbs to Jesus. Yes. Steadfast love and faithfulness preserve the king, and by steadfast love his throne is upheld. Here we have that that wonderful Hebrew word chesed again showing up in connection with the king. Yeah, with steadfast love or mercy, the king upholds his throne. So we got the angry king before, at the beginning of this chapter. Uh, don't mess with the angry king. Uh, you know, if, he, if you hear him growling like a lion, don't, don't go poking at him. And uh, uh, He is the one that judges, that winnows. But here we get love and mercy, that the, the center... Well, I have a, a, a quote here from uh, one of my commentators that is elsewhere said the king's throne is supported, quote, with judgment and with justice. Here, on the other side, we see the exercise of government must have love at its center. Ah, the king of love, my shepherd is. I love that hymn. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's a, wait, how can we think of love at the center and not think of our heavenly king? And oh, if only all of our earthly <laughs> leaders uh, had love at the center, had that steadfast, consistent eternal love at the center. Mm. That with, with like three minutes, the last thing, I, I want to get to verse 30, because I think you've got a really great insight here concerning yeah. what maybe seems like just a, a little more earthly type of verse. Blows that yeah. wound, cleanse away evil. Strokes make clean the innermost parts. You've got about three minutes to take a look at that verse, Pastor Jago. Well, my, my first thought was, man, there's a lot of beatings in the book of Proverbs. <laughs> it's, you know, uh, so just a little, little bit of a crass statement. But then as I looked at it closely, you know what word really grabbed my attention was the word cleanse. Uh, because I couldn't, I, how could how could you being beaten cleanse you? Well, uh, on a negative way, I suppose you know you you get the <laughs> get the the, um, uh, the some of the 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 things you you could you get to correct your actions and so forth. But the real wounding that cleanses us is the one that we find in Isaiah fifty three. By his wounds, we are healed. Yeah, and, and that's, I mean, that's just a, a beautiful thing. You know, certainly, as you said, there is this matter in the book of Proverbs that discipline is good, and the wise yeah. receive those kinds of rebukes. But even even more importantly, I think, I think you're right to connect this to Christ, that it is with his wounds, we are healed. With his wounds, we are made clean. Another connection to Christ in the book of Proverbs. We've been looking at Proverbs chapter 20, verses 1 through 30 here on Sharper Iron this morning. Our guest has been Pastor Andrew Jago, who serves at Bethany Lutheran Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Pastor Jago, thanks for being with us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. I am your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.